Welcome to the Reunion Belleville podcast, a place where everyday people apprentice to Jesus. We're glad you pulled up a seat and we hope that today's lead-in encourages you to take your next step. Welcome to Reunion Belleville. I'm Ken and I'm uh, filling in this week for, for Wes who's not able to be with us. And this is the second Sunday of Advent. Last week, Wes introduced us to the new liturgical year, the new church year. He reminded us that the Christian life, the life of the apprentice, is one of waiting, hoping, looking forward to the better thing coming. And we were left last week to ponder about our own waiting, to share those times when waiting has been fruitful, when God has shown up in our lives. We were encouraged to share those times, those stories with each other, to testify. Wes started in the Psalms last week, started with Psalms of waiting, of crying out in hope, Psalms that were honest, felt heart-wrenching, Psalms that suggested that waiting and hopefulness don't need to be silent, quiet events, but that some level of crying out is okay. That it's okay to yell at God sometimes, to hold God to account for the promises that were made. To ask God where God is in the world and why God has seemingly turned away doesn't seem to be paying attention. We spent last week contemplating hope and getting, and getting ready for a party. Wes realized he was in trouble sometime between Thursday evening and Friday morning. Just after 8 on Friday morning, I got a text describing his symptoms, a text wondering if I might have an Advent message in my inventory that I could share with you today. Once you get to know me better, you'll find out that one of the words that doesn't come easily for me is no. Maybe you could say it's a quirk. But lots of good people have this affliction. So after expressing my sadness that he was going to miss our reunion Christmas party on Friday night, I said, sure, I could take it on, and asked which of the Advent themes he had planned for this week. The message came back, peace. I read this response to Jocelyn almost with regret. She groaned. Of the four somewhat traditional Advent themes, hope, peace, love, and joy, peace has to be the toughest. I also hadn't preached on the second Sunday of Advent for 10 years. And that was while I was in my first church, my very first Advent as a pastor. Somehow, every Advent after that, I was either off or didn't have a church to serve. I found that 10-year-old message and realized that I've changed. I'm not that person anymore. What I'm really saying is, it wasn't that good. It wasn't very helpful. So today you're getting new material in this more mature, I hope, voice. A little more experience and, and maybe a few less words. But it is still the hardest of the Advent themes because there seems to be no way to peace in so many parts of our world. The bloody and daily horrors that float across our screens from Gaza 
hold our attention right now. But the war in Ukraine continues to grind on. New troubles in Sudan are impacting the lives of thousands. Iran continues to be in conflict with its own people. Tensions continue in India with its sick population. Troubles between China and Taiwan could erupt at any time. Here at home, we'd have to say that life is relatively peaceful, but there is a widening polarization that has made family gatherings less than peaceful, that has divided neighbors and communities, fueled by politicians and the media on both sides of the border, as they argue about whether or not everything is broken. Peace is something that we hope for, wait for, feel helpless about. We chase our desire for peace, a state that we might describe as contentment, with shopping therapy, chasing after the next best thing, the thing the neighbors have. They seem content, all of it falling short, leaving us more discontented, more agitated, and as we look around our communities, we see many of our neighbors doing the same thing that we are, chasing the same empty dreams, the same unsatisfying solutions to an age-old problem. How do we find peace? Or to use the Hebrew word that I think has a richer meaning, how do we find shalom? And how could we go about bringing peace into our own little parts of the world? Following the pattern that Wes set last week, let's look to the Psalms again. The Psalms are sometimes called the songbook of the people, recording the response of God's people to all sorts of situations. The Psalms we looked at last week were laments, calling out to God in times of trouble, calling out in hope that God would sit up and listen and make things right. Today we're going to take a look at Psalm 72, a much different piece of literature, a royal psalm. Psalm 72 was likely used as a prayer in the coronation service of the kings of Israel. It certainly was for Solomon, and likely for many more following him. And it goes like this. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness and may... and poor and you're poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like the rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. And in his days, May the righteous flourish and peace abound till the moon be no more. A psalm written by a king for kings, recognizing his role in the way that life turns out for his people, recognizing the way he dispenses justice, the way he models righteousness, the way he uses his justice, his judgment, his power, has a huge effect on the people around him. And in his case, the entire country that he rules. He also recognizes the way he acts, the way he rules, reflects on the God he serves, that God's peace, God's shalom, in many ways, comes through him.
it's very true that no matter how fervently this prayer may have been prayed over the kings of Israel and Judah, every one of them failed. They all failed up to live up to the lofty ideals of the psalm, the good intentions, sometimes because their own humanness got in the road, and sometimes because they really didn't have the political clout to pull it off. We might ask ourselves this morning, what kind of leader could possess all the power that there is in the world and still be willing and able to wield that power in ways that would benefit the lowest of the low? To do what so many other kings couldn't and haven't done. This is one of those times when the Sunday school kid's answer is right. It's Jesus. It's the incarnate Son of God. It's Him that comes to us full of grace and truth. He alone has the divine ability to not get intoxicated with His own power, but instead to channel that power directly into the lives of the people who need it most. This is the perfect King of Israel that Psalm 72 pines for, waits for, a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, a prince of peace. As apprentices, as those who happily describe Jesus as the king of kings, the prince of peace, can we find it within ourselves to go and do likewise? That is what we've been called to do. That call to love God and to love our neighbors is a call to work toward the best for those around us to use whatever power we might have to make our world and theirs just a little bit better, to make the lives of our neighbors just a little bit easier, more peaceful. In Advent, Psalm 72 is often paired with John the Baptist's shrill call for repentance in Matthew 3, which ref with references to broods of vipers and axes on roots and, and stone descendants. I wonder... If John were here today, what names he might call us, what sins he might call us to repent from. He might point to our mediocre concern for the widow, the orphan, the immigrant, the welfare dependent, the addict, the lonely, the abused, the exploited, berating us for not bringing the peace that we have into their world, helping them along the way. How often don't we find ourselves siding with powerful bullies rather than using our power and influence to balance the power between them and their victims? How often don't we walk away from conflict where we could have been a source of peace? How often don't we look to our own safety and security, even our own convenience, rather than the well-being and the peace of others. Maybe Psalm 72 and its focus on a king for the oppressed represents not only the last word of a great king, but the best word for what we can all but dimly hope will be true of our world now and into the future of God's kingdom. Shalom, creeping in from all sides, accompanied by righteousness and justice. Some of you may be familiar with the stage play, Come From Away. Jocelyn and I went to see it back in 2014 when it was playing in Toronto, and I was reminded of it just last week. It's the story that springs out of 9-11, but 
it's a fully Canadian story. When the planes hit the World Trade Center, the first reaction was to close airports in the U.S., diverting planes to many other places. One of those was Gander, Newfoundland. 38 planes carrying 6,579 passengers were grounded there. And after sitting in, in their seats for five hours, the small city of just 10,000 people opened their arms and welcomed these strangers for the next five days. And they were strangers to the people of Gander, but also to each other. Different languages, different cultures blending together at a time of fear and uncertainty. Some even traditional enemies. There's one particular scene in the play that I think is relevant to us this morning. Sometime, sometime in the days following the attacks, a time of silence was called in the U.S. The event appears on TVs in Gander. In that time of silence, that time of soul-searching, a time when the veil between man and God maybe becomes a bit thinner. A Catholic shares her prayer beads. We see a Muslim on his knees praying to Allah. We hear a Jew in prayer to Yahweh. We see men of different faiths sitting together in quiet conversation, seeing each other as human, as valuable, as image bearers of God. And from the back, through it all, comes the song and the singer. Make me a channel of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring your love. Where there is injury, your pardon, Lord. And where there's doubt, true faith in you. Make me a channel of your peace. Where there is despair in life, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, only light. And where there's sadness, ever joy. Make me a channel of your peace. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned, in giving to all men that we receive, in dying that we're born to eternal life. O Master, grant that I may never seek so much to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love with all my soul. Make me a channel of your peace. Where there's despair in life, let me bring hope. Where there is darkness, only light. And where there's sadness, ever joy. Jesus, even though he is referred to as the Prince of Peace, and the angels proclaimed peace among all when they visited the shepherds at his birth, it isn't recorded that he used the word peace all that often. When he did, it was most often used as encouragement, Encouragement to continue forward, to continue hoping for a better world. A world where peace, shalom, is real, treasured, and abundant. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. Thanks for listening today. And go now. Rejoice in the Lord always. Focus your thoughts on all that is true, on all that is holy, on all that is just, all that is pure, all that is lovely, all that is worthy of praise. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. 
sharing what you have and being gentle with all. And may God rejoice over you with gladness. May Christ Jesus renew you in his love. And may the Holy Spirit give you peace beyond understanding. Thank you for listening to today's lead-in. We pray that you were able to learn something about Jesus today, but equally important, we pray that you sense a step you might take in response. What would it look like for you to live with Jesus today in light of our discussion? You can learn more about our community at www.reunionbelleville.com, and we're always here to walk with you.